Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly-veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, How Did We Get Weird? Not only do you get to know me and my brother, you get to know the stories that made us the absolutely rad people we are today. Like you, Jonah, who's a music person and also a mental health counselor. And you, Vanessa, who is an actress, comedian, and I think you even wrote a children's book. Wow. I sure did. Check out our episodes where we've welcomed hilarious guests like our friend Andy Samberg. That's it. That's really it. And Queen Casey Wilson. I really went cart before the horse. I said, I think I have an opportunity to interview Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) As a high school student. Plus legendary sisters Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar. You would pull the bag out and then we would eat eat all the leftover leftover chocolate chips, which was a lot. Then you'd roll the barrel up up the hill and then one of us would get inside the barrel and they'd push you down. And we've also had an amazing guest like Mike the Miz, Jason Isbell, Carrie Brownstein and Corinne Tucker of Slater Kinney, and many more. And you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like Change.Dork. <laughs> Change.Dork. And congratulations, you played yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself. Listen to our podcast, How Did We Get Weird, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. This is Intimate Knowledge with Megan King. Shh. It's a show about sex. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Intimate Knowledge. I am your host, Megan King. You can find me on Instagram at Megan King. Check out my retreats at GuyHavenWellness.com. So today we're going to go over a few things and talk to you about some headlines. There's a really weird one that I want to start with. Super funny though. Um, And then I'm going to tell you what's been happening in my life lately. I went to a med spa. I'm going to tell you about that. Give you updates on my relationship status and where that stands and where we go from here. And then we're going to wrap it up with an interview with Danielle Rule. We had her on a couple weeks ago. But then I got to interview Nick, her ex-husband. So I want to wrap back to her and 
give her my thoughts on that interview and see if they might have gotten closer because they're coming together and talking about mental health. So let's get right into it. First of all, this first headline is gnarly, you guys. All right. So at the LA Philharmonic, there that's a that's an opera hall. Okay. Um, people are watching, you know, this beautiful symphony. And this is the quote. There's some conflicting reports. Some say it looked like she had awoken from sleep, possibly a medical issue. Others claimed it sounded very much like an orgasm. One person said, quote, the sound from the audience member was wonderfully timed to a romantic swell in the symphony. One can't know exactly what happened, but it seemed very clear from the sound that it was an expression of pure physical joy, a sort of classical music equivalent of that scene in a movie where someone is talking loudly in a party or a nightclub, and then the, and then the recording suddenly stops and they say something that everyone hears. Um. All right. So I read this article. This woman had a full-blown orgasm while watching the symphony. Her husband was sitting next to her and was like very proud of himself. I cannot imagine like what was happening. I want to, why isn't anybody talking about, was there any movement going on? Like what is, was she wearing, was she wearing like a, a remote control vibrator or something? This is, I, I don't know how I feel about this because Nobody's identified this woman, but it didn't seem like she left. It se- kind of seemed like she stayed. Was this all just a big rumor or like, is it just something that got blown out of proportion because it sounds, you know, like, like it would be funny. I've never, listen, I, I, I've never gotten caught having sex in public. I've never, have I had sex in public? I have, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm not that risky. I mean, I have had sex I guess outside, but if I would actually get, get caught having sex, I think I would feel so exposed and vulnerable. That would not be a fun experience for me. It would be traumatic. So that's not really something I feel like if, if you are engaging in a sexual act and someone else is watching that doesn't know that they're going to be watching a sexual act, it's almost like, it's like a dick pic. If you get receive a dick pic and you're not expecting a dick pic, that's a fucking power move. And I don't like it. And so it's like you did there, you, there was no consent in your reception of this photo. There's no consent in someone else seeing you have sex publicly. And I just think I find it incredibly offensive and a power move and wrong. And, but like this woman, it didn't seem like she was trying to be out in the open or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, that's that was a fun one to talk about. So a couple days ago, I went to the med spot, y'all. Um, this beautiful med spa over in Effingham, Illinois. It's a tiny, tiny little town in Illinois. They sent me a little plane over to St. Louis to pick me up, a couple of my friends up. We fly over to Illinois and we do some procedures. Got these lippies right here, got these puffed up. And guess what I tried? I tried this chair. I guess it's called chair. It's called Imsala. And so what it is, it kind of looks like a toilet bowl. It's a round seat with a, with a back and you sit on it and with fully clothed. And the point is that you are supposed to, it's supposed to like tighten your pelvic floor. So it reduces urinary incontinence. Um, It's, it's like doing like 10,000 Kegels or something. And it's supposed to improve orgasms. So 
I was like, yeah, sign me up. So I sit in this chair and it's like this magnetic radio frequency or something. And they're like, yeah, you'll know when it's in the right spot. I'm like, am I going to have an orgasm? They're like, yeah, maybe if you sit in the right way. I'm like, what? Like, this feels very weird to be sitting here and having this happen with everyone watching me. So I sit in the chair, I turn it on. I'm like, whoa, like I can feel the tingles right there. And I kind of have to sit there like with my legs spread apart so it can like get up in there. And so I'm like moving around and making the right spot. I'm like it didn't. I I don't think I could have had an orgasm from it. For, that's for damn sure. But like it kind of felt good, but it mostly felt fine. Like it mostly just it wasn't uncomfortable, but it wasn't comfortable. It was just a sensation that was unusual. So I am sitting there and there's two protocols. So I do the first one for a little bit. And I was like yeah, like you can turn this up or something. And then they put me, they're like, yeah, we'll do protocol two, which is like the more intense one. So they turn me up to protocol two. I sit on this machine for the longest amount of time that you can sit on it with the highest intensity, 100% that you can have. And on the uh, most intense protocol, I do it. I'm sitting there for like 38 minutes straight. You can't wear, like, I couldn't wear my Garmin watch because apparently like the magnets in it would get screwed up and like my watch might stop working. So I did this. I get up, I get off. Everything's fine. Like I don't really, I kind of felt it in my glutes actually. Like it was kind of helping my glutes. My glutes are actually a little bit sore. So yesterday was my first day with, um, like it was the first day after, um, the treatment that I had on the solid machine. I wake up, I'm laying in bed and I'm like, Oh my God. It felt like below my belly button. Someone had gone up inside me and just like churned it all up with like just really toss that salad but like deep up in me I was in so much pain it was like it was like I was having contractions like baby like I was having a baby it was but duller but like wouldn't stop and it was and I was like am I gassy like am I gonna have my period it was just fucking miserable to the point where it hurt to sit down so much so like I guess maybe if I was stretched out standing up that that kind of like helped relieve some of the pain I took um ibuprofen to try to help with it I um I couldn't believe how bad it hurt I text the med spa and they're like yeah I mean I guess it's working and then they said that the second day it gets worse. Oh, wait, hold on. Holy shit. This is so embarrassing. So right after I had it done, we like go to dinner. Hours pass. We go to dinner and I go to the bathroom and I pull my pants down. I shit my pants. I was like, I shit my pants. I, I was so embarrassed. I took, I had no idea. It wasn't like a lot, but it was like, there's definite poop on my undies. And so I t like discreetly take them off and like throw them away in the trash can. And I, and I walk out and I say to my friends, Tim and Jeremy, who were there with me, I was like, you guys, I shit my pants. Holy shit. Oh my God. What is going on with me? And they're like, oh, they said that could be a side effect because everything loosens before it tightens. And it's like, it's like getting, it's so intense, I guess, initially, then it has to like, you know, get to working. Um, Yesterday, I you know felt like somebody was like up in me like messing around with my insides and it was so painful. And then this morning, now I'm like I'm still like it still hurts a little bit, but I'm okay, but I'm like there's definite stuff happening in the GI tract and everything. And I was talking to the med spa owner, Tara, and she's like, "Oh, what just think about how amazing your orgasms are going to be." I was in so much pain. I was like, 
I cannot think about an orgasm right now. Like that's just more contractions of those muscles. That is not where I'm going with this. So now that I'm finally improving and I'm not shitting my pants anymore and I'm not having to take pain meds to like get over this. Yeah. I'm going to see if my O's are stronger and better and supposedly easier to achieve. So I'm very excited to keep you guys posted on all those dirty details because clearly I'm not afraid to share. Um, Update with the man situation. So I, um, I'm so okay with, with where we are. I really, really love having a best friend in this man and not a romantic partner. Yeah. I mean, I think that you know, if everything was perfect, I would have my best friend as my romantic partner, this best, th- even this best friend. But at the same time, I, I'm really happy with just having a best friend. So what happened was we were, um, at this wedding and I said, look, look, we've been dating for a few months and this has been wonderful. And it's exactly what I wanted to be involved in something that's not very serious. And it's more friend-like, But now I'm at the point where I'm ready to take the next step and like have that level of commitment that a traditional boyfriend and girlfriend relationship would involve. And he's like, listen, like we're in two different places in our lives. And that that's just I don't think that that would be healthy for either of us to to jump into right now, because he's like, I don't think that we're going to make each other happy with the expectations that we have of this relationship. Well, what you know, what I want it to be versus what he wants it to be. And I was like, you know what? You're right. And it was so healthy and so honest. And we nothing changed between the how we acted with each other. But it was definitely, you know, back to that friend zone. And I am so glad it's there. But I also said, look, I'm going to date other people. He's like, all right. Because I do want a boyfriend now. Like I am in a place where I'm like, all right, I do miss that sense of security that comes with having a boyfriend. I don't miss dating and I'm probably not going to be like out, you know, gunning to go on like a million dates. Like I happened in the past. I'm very comfortable with myself, but I am ready for a place where I am getting that commitment from a partner. And I had my friends, Tim and Jeremy in town the other day. And Jeremy actually woke up with my kids, took them to school, made them breakfast. He let me sleep in. And it was so sweet. It meant so much to me. And it also reminded me, look, Meg, like this is what a partnership could look like, you know, an actual partnership, like people loving, like my partner loving my kids and being involved with my children. And even though Jeremy's gay and had a husband sleeping in the guest bedroom in my basement, it was nice to know that like I don't have to necessarily get that sort of fulfillment from a romantic relationship. I can fill them with platonic relationships as well. And that's been an incredible lesson that I've been living these past few months within my current dating relationship and then just cultivating my friendships with my good girlfriends and guy friends as well. So, ladies and gents, I am on the prowl. (laughs) Watch out. I mean, sort of. I'm like really in mom mode. Like it's Friday and any Friday that comes up, any Friday can come up. And I'm like, it's Friday. It's my t- week. And I get to chill with my kids and like be a mom. That's literally what I look forward to on the weekends, like hang out with my kids. Okay. We have Danielle rule with us. She was on season two of love is blind. I'm excited to talk to her. I want to bring her in 
and get all of the updates on her take on mental health on Love is Blind and how that relates to what her ex-husband Nick is talking about. So let's bring in Danielle Rule. I don't understand what the big fat ones are. You don't put those inside of you, do you? I mean, you do? This is a show about women. Okay, so I just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch. We are headed back now to European political systems class at Baruch College. Woo! Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. That's it. That's actually the name of the show. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. It's like reality TV on the radio. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. And looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all. And for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than what to do when faced with an Alzheimer's diagnosis. My name is Dana Torito, and my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, takes a closer look at Alzheimer's disease and those affected by it. Like many of you, I've experienced the disease firsthand. I've been an advocate and care partner for decades and have written extensively about the subject. Each week, I'll talk to people who've been personally affected by the disease and learn how they coped with it. Folks like TV personality Lisa Gibbons. Action is the antidote for fear. And nurse and dementia researcher Dr. Fayron Epps. We no longer can be silent. We have to speak up. We have to share our experiences so we can help each other and learn from each other. Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Professional dancer Cheryl Burke has been part of Dancing with the Stars since the very beginning. 26 seasons of the Samba, the Rumba, and the Cha-Cha. 24 partners, 6 finals, and 2 Mirabal trophies. She knows all the secrets, the behind-the-scenes arguments, and the affairs, the flings, the flirting, and the fighting. It's time to tell all on her new podcast, Sex, Lies, and Spray Tans. We'll take you all the way back to season 1 and up through today... For the dance floor drama like you wouldn't believe. Former partners, co-stars, friends and frenemies will join Cheryl each week. Listen to Sex, Lies and Spray Tans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Information Network and six-time Emmy-nominated news anchor Vanessa Tyler welcome you to Blackland. A podcast about the ground on which the black community stands right now. From stories about salvation. And loss. They did not love themselves enough to know their HIV status to not pass it on to me. To dreams achieved. Or still yet unfulfilled. From people who have made it. We started a hospital-based violence intervention program called the IV Project. And it stands for Interrupting Violence in Youth and Young Adults. 
Eagles. To those who have been left behind. But no one talks about the survivors of the gun violence and the numbers rising because the gun violence has risen. Politically. Financially. Emotionally. Spiritually. This is where we are. This is Blackland. And one of the things that my father said to me before he passed away is like almost like a prophecy. He said that I would be helping men. Listen to Blackland on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle, welcome back to Intimate Knowledge. Danielle, you were just on the show with us. From yeah. you're from Love Is Blind season two. I love, like I said before, I loved you and Nick on the show. You guys were like the mom and dad of the season. <laughs> and I wanted to talk to you again because there's been more drama, basically more tell all that's been happening. Oh, yeah. um, as far like as far as you know, Love Is Blind and production and um the the mental health of the cast members. And I had a chance to talk to Nick the other day. Oh, Did really? You know that? Yeah. No. Yeah, Very he good. came on the show and we chit-chatted. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I mean, I know you're trying to connect us. I wanted we were talking about I was going to go to Chicago. Was, we're all three going to get together. It was going to be great. But Nick wanted nothing to do with that. He does not no. want to be in the same room with you. He does not want to talk to you. You know, I don't I guess like the grieving processes are different, right? Where I think at first I was probably in that headspace and now mm. I've kind of like moved past any like negativity um when it comes to him and it, unfortunately he just like isn't in the same place it was interesting like I didn't I I felt like I didn't want to really dive in with any questions that were super duper personal with him because honestly he felt a little guarded to me and yeah. do, do you feel that too or like was he always like that uh I mean I mean, I haven't talked to him since yeah. we broke up. Like, it was funny. I was with um, Kenny from The Bachelor. We were, uh, um, we went to Lollapalooza together. He was like, I haven't seen Nick since Lollapalooza. I was like, me either. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Nick, he's a, he's a nice guy. He's thoughtful and um, pensive and like just has a, he's kind. He seems to have a very big heart. But um, I felt like if I, you know, ask too many questions about you or something that I might um yeah just be like offend- be offending him or something yeah, yeah I so would. I was I read the room yeah he read the room <laughs> I read the room yeah so he was like no I don't want to you know go on with Danielle I don't think that's good for my mental health and I and I brought this up in the on, like when I was interviewing him I was like you know what I would love for you guys to be in the same room together because I think that would be great entertainment <laughs> to be yeah. t- totally honest and frank like that would be great entertainment for me and for the listeners, mm-hmm. but it's, but like, I respect him for putting his mental health first and whatever that means yeah. to him. But at the same time, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing the same thing that you and Nick are speaking out about. And mm-hmm. like what happened with love is mind. You know what I mean? Like it's all yeah. just this doggy dog world in the in entertainment. And it's all at the um, expense of, of you, of Nick, yeah. of, you know, yeah. so and I want to say I'm sorry, but I'm not like, I'm not sorry because this is what, you know, kind of what we're doing. You know, if we put ourselves out there, we're putting ourselves out there. However, you want to make sure that you're, you're, um, being protected. And so tell me about your, tic- your, not your TikToks. Tell me about your reels that you put on Instagram recently. Yeah. So it's interesting. Everyone's like, why are you talking about this now? 
But if you were to pay close attention to like every single podcast that I did and every interview that I've done, I've been talking about this since day one. I've gotten so many like slaps on the wrist before. Really? Uh, but no one, yeah, but no one, you know, like was, was paying too much close attention. No one listens to every single podcast Danielle Rule is on, right? Right. Um, but it came this, this um, Business Insider article that had a wide breadth of um, different contestants on it and had a lot of reach. And so because that article went viral, now us speaking out about it is getting a lot more attention. Okay, so it's, what did the article say? Like in brief? Yeah, the article was just kind of talking about the um, really bad working conditions while on the show. So lack right. of food, lack of water, lack of sleep, um, just some of the like um, emotional um, destruction that it can have. Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting is they actually had a PA um, anonymously give a comment that they confirmed that when we as contestants asked for water in the pods, that they would be told they would intercept it. They would either be told not to give it to us or to bring champagne alongside it. And oh, we yeah. have these like conspiracy theories in our head, right? That they're doing it on purpose. Um, but you know, but sometimes you're like, well, you know, maybe they just like didn't have the time or forgot or were doing something else. But hearing that a PA literally said that they were intercepted when asked to bring us water was nuts. And it just like confirmed everything for me. I wonder if that's the PA that Nick was telling me about. He said one quit and, uh, yeah, that was ours. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she, she didn't like that. You know, you asked for support and it was like with your favorite producer and that was denied to you. That's what Nick explained to me. Yes. And then she subsequently quit. And I was like, well, Nick, well, maybe, you know, she could get to talking. He's like, well, or someone. I was like, could someone talk? And he's like, maybe, maybe. So I wonder if it was her. Um, yeah, no, potentially. Um, but actually, when I posted the reels, I got um, DMs from multiple PAs and Wranglers mm-hmm. who talked about not only the um, experience for the cast members, but explaining that their experience as PAs and the crew members was terrible as well. So they had really bad working conditions. And so she wasn't the only one who quit. Um, I know that she said that she quit because she couldn't handle the way that we were being, um, treated, you know, neglected. treated, but they were also being treated a certain way as well. Well, so, okay. So you, like you said, this you've been talking about this, um, but you, you know, maybe people haven't been following so closely. So why now? Why is this just coming out at this point in a big way? Yeah, it's like, um, so Jeremy uh, Hartwell had put out a lawsuit. And because I asked that too, I was hesitant. Who's Jeremy to, Hartwell? He was um, in in our season. He's best friends with Nick, but he wasn't shown. Okay, okay. Got yeah, it. so he did a lawsuit. And because I asked Business Insider too, I was like, do I engage myself in this or not? And he, they said that for a while, they have been investigating the behind the scenes of the production company coming out of that lawsuit. And they had reached out to everyone that I know. Like, I remember one of the guys that worked on my team um, who was a part of production. He's like, did they reach out to you? And I was like, yeah. He's like, they reached out to me. How did they find me? I was like, probably IMDb. But they literally reached out to everyone. And then um, ultimately, like, that's why I think it blew up is because so many different people were talking about it. Okay. So talk to me about Nick Vile. And he had some choice words about this whole situation, essentially saying that, like, 
Well, he said Nick specifically, his star is fading. And so that that's why he's doing this, you know, to bring attention yeah. back to himself. And and you commented on Nick Vile's comments as well, didn't you? Yeah. Okay, talk to Oh, me I was that. heated. I was heated. I didn't like what he said, what Nick yeah, said. Yeah, I Vial. mean, the thing is, is that I know the relationship that Nick Vile has with Kinetic. And so, again, I have these conspiracy theories, and they're oftentimes right. But instead of um, suing us, because that would bring more attention, I think that that was maybe one of their ways to discredit the things that, that we were saying, right? Um, and so he was speaking so confidently, like, I know they had food and water. I guarantee they had food and water. They're getting these free Coachella tickets. We literally paid for our Coachella tickets. Like, that's one of the stupidest lies that he told. But I'm just like this idiot. Like, how can you guarantee that we had food and water? Like, how can you guarantee what we're paying for, what we're not paying for? Like yeah. it was just such a bizarre thing to listen to. Um, but so again, did, wait, does Nick have this like really what really good re- what who's Kinetic and and was his relationship? Kinetic, with yeah. So Kinetic is the production company uh, that produces Love Is Blind, Got and it. the head of PR, um, she is really really close with Nick, and that's why he gets so many Love Is Blind people on his podcast um, because of their relationship. Yeah. And so oftentimes what they want him to talk about, I've been on the podcast. I know how the relationship works. And so I know kind of like the behind the scenes of what happens. That's why I have these assumptions as to why he might've said the things that he did. Um, But again, it's not like I had that confirmation, but. Yeah, right, right, right. I mean, okay. So what did you say about Nick's comments? (laughs) So he had said more than what was just in the podcast. I had some mm. other people send me some videos that said that I talk about suicide and mental health for attention, which is very wow. true for me because it was, yeah, that was hard for me to talk about in the first place ever. No kidding. I'm um, sorry to hear that. Yeah. No. And so that's what really triggered me. Um, yeah. I was frustrating for him to act like he was so confident about the behind the scenes stuff. Um, so that was one thing. And then also just the whole, you deserve it kind of thing. Like you signed up for this. Um, so that's kind of what instigated my reel. Cause I'm like, okay, you have a million followers who you're saying all of this negative stuff about me and my ex and I'm going to stick up for myself. And it was interesting. Yeah. I had so many other bachelor contestants reach out to me after that saying, thank you for standing up to him. <laughs> do you like, do you think that there's something um, with the, the love shows that maybe is more conducive to this type of treatment or like potentially like, um, cause I, I, the reason I'm asking is because when I was on the real housewives, I didn't feel like, hmm, I didn't feel the same way that you and Nick um, yes. felt when I was on the housewives, but I wasn't looking for love. I wasn't being vulnerable in the way where I was like putting my whole self out there and potentially spending the rest of my life with a, a stranger like you did and, and then did not um, <laughs> because you got divorced. But like um, I was, you know, just basically being myself and like showing what I'm doing with my life. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so I guess what I'm asking is, do you think that like, because you're on a show about love, it changed the dynamic? Yes and no. I think one, obviously, like to have someone fall in love with another person and then marry them in such a quick time, there has to be a lot of, you know, different behind the scenes things that make you a little bit, um, you know, like, oh, yeah, like, I'll do this. 
And you're like bringing up stuff from your past because you're trying to get to know somebody. So you're like, okay, well, if they're really going to know me, they got to know all of me. And then you're digging up and, you know, hard things are just, it doesn't even matter. Just emotional things in general. That's depleting. Yeah. That was really hard. Um, you know, like bringing up every single past trauma and telling it to someone that you just met and talking about it every single day with production. Yeah. You said you overshared at one point. You felt like you overshared. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I think is interesting though, is, you know, I now know a lot of different people who are in a wide breadth of different shows. And there's two things that I've found. One, um, you know, we're getting, like, we're, we don't know what we're doing. Um, You know, this is our first rodeo. So it's a lot easier to be brainwashed by, you know, production, which is why when I went on after the altar, I was a completely different person. And you're treated a lot better your next time around. So I know people who are on Love is Blind that went on Perfect Match. And they were treated entirely better because, you know, there's longevity. So Mm. me, I'm never going to go on another reality show again, right? But if you're on a reality show where there's multiple different seasons, they're going to treat you in a different way. I remember one of the producers on Love is Blind worked for The Hills previously um yeah. the most recent you know iteration okay. and he was like this is nothing like anything i've ever experienced really so yeah so i think that's one thing but in addition to that i have friends who were on other netflix shows that were produced by a different company and then they also went on perfect match and they said that it was a much worse experience so it, it, it de- it's like part the production company and it's also part of like okay these people have been on shows like for multiple, like multiple different Netflix shows or, you know, we want them to stick around. And so I think like, you know, if you're on like a one season dating show, you're just going to be tossed to the side after that, unless you're someone that they're going to want to, you know, stick around. Yeah. Okay. So what do you, what changes do you think need to be made immediately? Um, I think like mental support on set in general, I think that that's really important. I think more consistent food and water would be nice. I know there was like two days that Nick and I like went without it. I think the food is bananas to me. The water, I just yeah. drink it out of the tap. I'd be like, screw it. I just we didn't it. have a tap. What? Yeah, no. So on set, everything was fake. So the wa- the sink wasn't actually a sink. Wait a minute. Set. Didn't you have a sink in your hotel room? Yeah, but we were filming. So like, that's another thing when it comes to lack of sleep. So we would have to be in like the the car to go to set at 6 a.m. We would be done filming at 3 a.m. It's about an hour drive from the hotel to the set. We're on set almost all day. We're not sleeping because you have to get ready for the next day. And people are like, oh, well, why don't you wear makeup? When you're um, doing interviews, obviously you have to wear the same exact hair, same exact makeup, right. same dress every day. So right. yeah. Even so though like, they're, you don't have it's not all happening in one day. Yeah. So you don't have time to sleep. Um, I was drinking. Yeah, I would drink the tap water in the hotel all day. You know, I wasn't worried about that. It was it was in the pods. Oh, where you weren't given food and water. Yeah. What the heck? Weren't you like, ding, 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 I'm hungry. Yeah. No, that's why I said that when the PA said that they intercepted it, like mm-hmm. I thought that was crazy. And they would bring it at like, like maybe we would eat at like 10 p.m. in between day dating and night dating. And they would bring like, you know, food over like during those time periods. And then there was like snacks sometimes. Um, but like in terms of like actual meals, it would be like, you know, you go very, a pretty good amount of time. Without yeah. It. I mean, okay. So then I have to be devil's advocate and push back and ask, 
ask like how much of that is on you to like advocate for yourself like wait a minute no I need a break because I do know that when I was on set with the housewives there would just be days that could go long or longer very long Mm -hmm. especially with the interview days because like if your look wasn't right and they'd have to like send it in and then like the the crew could time out or whatever and then the J stretched out and I'm like hello like I need somebody to call like some food in or something (laughs) We did that all the time. I would like Mike, I'd be like, hello, can you bring something? Honestly, though, like, and I talk about this too, like my pod experience is way different than my experience post pods. So I never really talked about food and water until Mexico. Like that was the main time where I felt it. Yeah. So like my, the pod things like I, I, cause I've been speaking about this for a long time, but the pods was never necessarily like my trigger point. I had a different producer in the pods than I did in Mexico and, and all of the future episodes. So I'm not as like triggered by anything in the pods because I really right. liked the producer I was working with. Yeah. Okay. So are you afraid of any repercussions happening after coming forward with your story? Yeah. Uh, so yes, I am waiting every day for an email to come. Um, but they know some of the things that happened illegally with me specifically behind the scenes with my supervising producer that I could should have went to the police about honestly um i was talking with a lawyer what? and they're like you should have to the police i'm like i'm not gonna say it because oh, i am it. just okay. going they know no i can but i'm gonna wait because oh. if they come after me i'm gonna be like oh really you want the world to know this this and this so i'm like you know i'm waiting for an email but i'm like oh man like they're in a way worse spot if they do that well in your in your reel i was listening to you're afraid of getting fined fifty thousand dollars what what was that all it's about? like um oh yeah, yeah. so um, once you sign the contract, um, there's like a $50,000 fine if you leave, but you can get uh, the producer's approval. Um, but I mean, obviously, if everyone leaves, they're not going to have a show. So it makes sense, right? Because they're investing in, in it. Um, yeah. And, and like, transparently, I never once heard them threaten that. So when I was when I would ask to leave, it was more so like convincing us to stay than saying like, you're going to have to pay 50 grand. So it's in the back of your head. Um, but it's it. I never actually heard them like, threaten anyone i don't understand what the big fat ones are you don't put those inside of you do you i mean you do this is a show about women okay so i just reapply my lip gloss after eating a delicious lunch we are headed back now to european political systems class at baruch college Woo! finally a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare that's it that's actually the name of the show it's not hosted not narrated we're just dropping into a woman's world it's like reality tv on the radio I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10. We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. And looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all. And for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than what to do when faced with an Alzheimer's diagnosis. My name is Dana Torito, and my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, takes a closer look at Alzheimer's disease and those affected by it. 
Like many of you, I've experienced the disease firsthand. I've been an advocate and care partner for decades and have written extensively about the subject. Each week, I'll talk to people who've been personally affected by the disease and learn how they coped with it. Folks like TV personality Lisa Gibbons. Action is the antidote for fear. And nurse and dementia researcher Dr. Fayron Epps. We no longer can be silent. We have to speak up. We have to share our experiences so we can help each other and learn from each other. Listen to The Memory Whisper on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Professional dancer Cheryl Burke has been part of Dancing with the Stars since the very beginning. 26 seasons of the Samba, the Rumba, and the Cha-Cha. 24 partners, six finals, and two Mirabal trophies. She knows all the secrets, the behind-the-scenes arguments, and the affairs, the flings, the flirting, and the fighting. It's time to tell all on her new podcast, Sex, Lies, and Spray Tans. We'll take you all the way back to season one and up through today for the dance floor drama like you wouldn't believe. Former partners, co-stars, friends, and frenemies will join Cheryl each week. Listen to Sex, Lies, and Spray Tans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Information Network and six-time Emmy-nominated news anchor Vanessa Tyler welcome you to Blackland. A podcast about the ground on which the black community stands right now. From stories about salvation. And loss. They did not love themselves enough to know their HIV status, to not pass it on to me. To dreams achieved. Or still yet unfulfilled. From people who have made it. We started a hospital-based violence intervention program called the IV Project, and it stands for interrupting violence in youth and young adults. To those who have been left behind. But no one talks about the survivors of the gun violence, and the number is rising because the gun violence has risen. Politically. Financially. Emotionally. Spiritually. This is where we are. This is Blackland. And one of the things that my father said to me before he passed away is like almost like a prophecy. He said that I would be helping men. Listen to Blackland on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I was talking to Nick about um, basically how he he thinks that there needs to be some sort of like more or less lobbyist lobbying group for. reality talent especially since the writers guild went on strike and he says like when the writers guild goes on strike there's an uptick in reality shows oh yeah yeah which also would you know theoretically say there's an uptick in like abuse of of talent on reality shows Mm -hmm. so do do you agree do you think there should be some sort of a union type of idea i think a union yeah something along the lines i mean honestly in terms of that stuff i'm not as educated i'll be straight up um i think like one thing that I've found super helpful is just after speaking out about like some of the love is blind stuff, I've had so many people reach out to me speaking out about their experiences, whether it be on, on the bachelor at married at first sight. And so like having a community of people, like just kind of even talking together, like that's what, what I found super beneficial. So, I mean, even in something in, in, in that kind of sorts. Just to like be in solidarity with a group yeah. that understands it's important for mental health. So it's Mental Health Awareness Month, May. Mm-hmm. What um, what would you say to somebody who's struggling on a reality show like Love is Blind? 
Um, it's so hard because I'm still struggling. And so I don't always take my own advice. And in terms of like mental health in the real world, you know, like it, it's, I have so much to right. say Not in on terms side. of mental health. Yeah. in in terms of reality shows, it's hard. Like if I was speaking to another contestant, you know, it's interesting. I was actually talking to someone who was on Merit at First Sight and she like uh, had a conversation with me and she's like, I never, you know, experienced depression or anxiety, but I had my first panic attack during filming and I became suicidal after filming. And this is before the show aired and hearing that, you know, and I'm always, they're like, oh yeah, Danielle had mental health issues going into it, whatever. And what I did, but there are a lot of people who are like, yeah, like this has completely changed my life. Um, in the fact that I now have these thoughts that I never had before. And, and that's why I think, again, like getting together and realizing like, no matter like what your background is, there are certain things that happen behind the scenes and it's different for everyone based on the ethics of producers that, that can really trigger you. And, and so that's like why I would just say like, you know, reach out, like if you're feeling a certain way after going on an experience, it's like, you're probably not the only one who's feeling that way. Yeah. Good points. Okay. So with everything that you've said to me and everything that Nick said to me, you guys seem to agree on everything. Literally like your experiences match up, your, your thoughts, your, your um, reactions, everything matches up. And I've noticed you haven't said one bad word about him. He hasn't said one bad word about you. Actually, when I was interviewing him, he um, had a lot to say about how they treated you. Like he had like emotional Mm -hmm. reactions to like your poor treatment. And Honestly, like I, f- I just feel like there, there's some sort of bond there between you two mm. that we're not discussing. Can you talk to me about that? Well, I think that that's probably why we can't still be in the same room. Why? I'm gonna start crying oh because, like, you know, it's hard. Like so- we had like it. Ah, you know, oh. our divorce was really, really hard because it happened over text, right? And like the fact that the last time I saw him was Lollapalooza, like there's no real closure there. Um, in the way that I acted right after the divorce, I was kind of a looney tune because like not having closure, not being able to have a conversation, just getting divorced publicly without even being able to talk to him. I didn't act the best. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think that's part of the reason that he probably has a lot more, you know, more hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's also like, I think, especially with all of this going on, I'm like, God, I just want to talk to him. Yeah, you know? I can imagine. Yeah, because I, I mean, see him supporting me. I mean, you guys both support each other on both ends and yeah. and you're not speaking. I, w- I, w- I was going to ask if it's brought you together anymore. No, I mean, it's nice that we're standing together, but it hasn't like brought us together. We haven't really like had a conversation which is hard too. Like, I'm like, Oh my God, I wish we could just talk about this. You know, have you tried to reach out to him at all? No. I mean, I think that the ball is in his court. Um, I think he knows that I'm kind of like past it. We actually, um, he, he had drunk texted me and, um, it kind of sparked like one of the first conversations we had had. And when was this? I think he knows, uh, it was actually, I think it was a couple months ago, but like okay. when that happened, I was like, I just told him, you know, like I'm, I'm in this place. Uh, if you know, I'm here if you ever need anything. So I think he knows that. I think if he were to ever come to me, but like again, like I'm going to respect his boundaries right now and wait to see until he's ready to like have a conversation. Do you think that there would ever be a world in which you could see yourselves getting back together? 
I think honestly, like, again, I am going to be incredibly transparent about how immature I acted right after the divorce in terms of like some of the things I was posting on social media. Um, It's one of my biggest regrets. And I think that it is it was too much to even like if we like if we wanted to get back together, I I, I still think that there's love there. There's hate there, too. But um, it's just like, how am I going to have his family accept me again? How am I going to have his friends accept me again? It broke my heart the other day. My sister was like, you know, I really miss Nick as a friend. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, Megan, <laughs> this mm-hmm. is last weekend. Um, just because, like, I think that that's another thing with, like, there's all of this talk about the show, right? And the behind the scenes of the show. And re-talking about it and getting hate and, like, people not believing you. Like, that that's tough. And it kind of brought me back to a pretty bad place. But mm-hmm. also have, having Nick and I's names attached to each other, again, supporting mm-hmm. each other. No one else went through the same experience as we did, right? Like everyone's experience is different. And so it's just like, nah, it brings you back to like the good, the bad. Oh my God, why am I so emotional? And then it sounds like you still have feelings for him. Yeah. And then not being able to like have that conversation with him, you know, it's just like, it's tough. I mean, is there anything (laughs) like that you would specifically want to say to him necessarily if you were able to talk to him? I think just like, giving ourselves more grace like we're having all of these conversations about how reality shows can impact mental health and throughout the entire experience the main reasons that we were going to say no is because I had told him I had never felt worse in my life and I need to focus on myself before getting married I have never felt this way and he was like we're gonna get married and I'm gonna you know it's we're if you get married, it's for better, for worse. And like, we're going into this, like, I will be there for you every step of the way. And um, that's what's hard. It's like, okay, we're like having all of these conversations about empathy for the mental health and what, what the show can do for you. And I'm like, Oh, my God, I wish that like, we could have given each other a little bit more grace for how we were in the relationship at some of the worst times, Um, kind of looking back and thinking about how much it really, really, really did impact us. I mean, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and time heals all wounds, yeah. right? So, like, yeah, I and I, but it's it also sounds like these were really intense experiences that yeah cut really deep. Actually, after I in, ended um my interview with Nick, I said that the opposite of love isn't hate; it's apathy, and he is definitely not apathetic about you. And I literally said that because I was like, does he still love her? I was like, I don't know. Like, I can't figure this out. Like, there's really strong feelings attached to this. And I can promise you it's not a feeling of apathy. And that would that would be the thing that I think would be like, poof, done. You'd be gone. So I feel like there's a reconciliation that (laughs) needs to happen. I, I have no idea. You know, again, like I said, I think he knows where I stand. I... He, I don't think he's going to reach out to you, though. I think you're going to have to reach out to him. And it sounds like you screwed up. So maybe you could, like, lead with an apology. I told him that. Yeah. No, I I gave him, like, a sincere apology. You know, I was like, I there's nothing I can do to change what I did. And I understand that. Um, you know, but again, like, I, I'm just going to give him, continue to give him his space. I don't want to, you know, poke him when he's already probably going through some stuff, having to relive all this as well. Yeah, I can imagine that's been really difficult for you. So do you like do you think that there's any goals that you have 
to make sure that this ex your experiences with the lack of support around mental health doesn't happen to anyone else? I think that this is going to make sure that this doesn't you happen do. to anyone else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're not going to want to go through with this again. Like, absolutely not. Like, do you think Love is Blind is going to be canceled? No, I don't think it'll be canceled. They've already filmed like so many different seasons. Mm -hmm. They are going, I, they're going to have to do better. Like the fact that so many people from Married at First Sight, that's the same production company, are also coming out now. It's like, they're going to have to change. Like, they don't want to have this viral sensation about their treatment come out again. What about um, Vanessa and Nick Lachey, the host of Love is Blind? Do you think they're going to remain as hosts or they're, they're going to get the axe? <laughs> They've already filmed like so many of the seasons. So there's really wow. nothing that they can do about it. Like they did back to back to back. Right after we were in the pod, they brought in season two. So after what? 10 days, season two went in. After 10 days, season three. So we were filming at the same times. Whoa, that's a yeah. lot. Yeah, so I think I don't know if it, there's five or ten, but yeah, like there was like they're already filmed five so. or ten seasons. We've only seen four, right? Yeah, I, there's a they, they, yeah, they just going back to back and like they're the hosts for all they've already filmed. So, wow, this is so interesting. Okay, well, um, I mean, th thank you so much for sharing all of this and bringing it to the forefront. It's, I, I, I really do think that this is some sort of um epidemic within the love reality shows that we're not seeing yeah. as much and i think you're onto something when you say it's because there's not like recurring cast members yes they're new all the time so they're more disposable and they, they're more like green and they can be treated yes you know that way yeah even like um people that were on the bachelor and then would return to bachelor in paradise would talk about how bachelor in paradise was like different than like so it's like the more oh. you kind of are on it the more either like you know Sorry how to work you your way around it or they want you to like keep coming back totally totally um all right daniel well thank you so much for coming on it's so nice to talk to you again um I saw, i'm sorry i didn't mean for it to become this emotional but i'm really <laughs> for you guys there's something there and i really i want to steal your phone from you i'm going to fly to chicago i'm going to steal your phone from you <laughs> and i'm going to make it all better between you two okay it's like hey this is danielle i got a new number <laughs> <laughs> hey it's danielle we need to chat things to say and then i'll make us smooth it all over and be like here you go Here's your relationship. Good luck. Hey, it's on you. Good luck. You can try whatever you want. Well, keep sure. me posted. Keep me updated on, that, on, on everything. You have my number. So text me, call me, whatever. I will. Thanks so much, Danielle. You're the best. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. That was so interesting talking to her. I was not expecting the emotions to come out like that. I really do think that these two might still be in love. And when I mentioned it, she got like, you saw her, you heard her. Very emotional. Wow, I think we're onto something here. Now, with the, but with the lobbying thing, I was I've been giving this a lot of thought. I don't think are the lobby the union idea. I really don't think that there is a way really to or to do a good job in organizing reality talent because the whole idea is that you're trying to get someone you're trying to just get a spotlight of someone's life, a little snippet or, you know, piece of it. And you don't want that life to include an, a planned idea that they're going to be going into reality television. That would like totally be a, a moot, you know, spotlight. So I don't know if it's possible. I mean, I do think that there's, you know, some sort of 
um, something happening here that needs to be looked at, but I don't know what the solution would be. And like I said, my experience on the housewives was very different and I never felt like this. And I'm also made of steel. So, um, and when you are bringing on reality show people, you really don't want somebody made of steel like me. You really want somebody a little bit more emotional. I'm pulling for Nick and Danielle. Nick, did you hear this? I'm going to call you. We're going to have a little chit chat. I think there could be something there. And I think that, um, well, I know that forgiveness can set you free. And I'm saying that to all of you as much as I'm saying it to myself, because it's a very hard thing to do. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of intimate knowledge. I will see you next week because if I know, you know, okay. Bye. Subscribe to Intimate Knowledge on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. You don't put those inside of you, do you? This is a show about women. I mean, you do? Finally, a show about women that isn't just a thinly veiled aspirational nightmare. It's not hosted, not narrated. We're just dropping into a woman's world. I found out when my dad was gay when I was 10... We were in a convertible on the 405 freeway, listening to the B-52s. Looking back, I should have said, this is gay. This is already all gay. <laughs> Listen to Finally a Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. And we are so excited to have you hear the latest season of our nostalgia-themed podcast, How Did We Get Weird? Not only do you get to know me and my brother, you get to know the stories that made us the absolutely rad people we are today. Check out our episodes where we've welcomed hilarious guests like our friend Andy Samberg. That's it. That's really it. And Queen Casey Wilson. I really went cart before the horse. I said, I think I have an opportunity to interview Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) As a high school student. And you do not want to miss out on our funny segments like (laughs) Change.Dork. Change.Dork. And congratulations, you played yourself. Congratulations, you played yourself. Listen to our podcast, How Did We Get Weird, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Professional dancer Cheryl Burke has been part of Dancing with the Stars since the very beginning. 26 seasons of the Samba, the Rumba, and the Cha-Cha. 24 partners, six finals, and two Mirabal trophies. She knows all the secrets, the -the behind-the-scenes arguments, and the affairs, the flings, the flirting, and the fighting. Listen to Sex, Lies, and Spray Tans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.